Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that wants to abort the Supreme Court. Today we have Zoe, Laura, Kellen, and Julia. Today, as you may have guessed, we're going to be talking about abortion, mainly focusing on the recent ban in Texas and what that means going forward. We've done um, several other abortion episodes. More recently, we covered what state and federal bans look like um, on an abortion access episode. And we did an episode with the incredible Michaela from Buckle Bunnies Fund in Texas talking about um, what to expect when getting an abortion and how to help yourself or loved ones through that process. So you can check out those episodes if you've not already. Um, but yeah, today we're focusing more on kind of what's happening currently and specifically what's happening in Texas. So first, I wanted to emphasize the connections between the right to abortion and class. This week, I did a UN training on gender comprehension. Um, brag, now I have this little digital UN certification that says like promoting gender equality and also one on like sexual and reproductive health and rights globally. So, wow. So, Amazing. tell us in your expert opinion, like, how are things? Um, for people who aren't cis men in the United States, in your intellectual, international understanding. Um, not great. That's pretty much how I like passed the certification is like some of the, you had to, it was like these little modules. You can do it free online. I had to do it for like a global feminism class I'm taking, but the questions, some of them were like harder and about more specific things, but some of them were just like, which global issues like affect like women and people of marginalized genders. And it's like, a like select all that apply and it's obviously just like all of them and then it's like you got it right so yes well i i do believe you to be more of an expert on these things than anyone else i've ever <laughs> known to be associated wow. with the un you know uh, it's like it's like zoe's like uh, almost a, a master of gender that's freaking right almost yeah um yeah it was assigned by a professor who's like pretty lib but you know I did it and now I'm still gonna brag about it anyway um and uh, the whole thing this is now it's just a tangent but of course it's from the UN so they kept being like the UN since its beginnings has always really cared about gender equity and I'm like okay (laughs) let's not go too far (laughs) we're stretching but anyway (laughs) um I did want to talk about something that I learned from that training, um, which I didn't know, which is that abortion access has a higher level of disparity between um, classes than any other form of healthcare. And this is in part because um, the bans that are in place and like the more financial create more financial barriers for getting abortion, including like travel time, childcare, housing, paying for the actual procedure, et cetera. And of course, we already know and I've talked about that marginalized people, especially poor people and people of color are at greatest risk when abortion bans are in place. But I didn't realize that that was like a greater disparity than any other form of healthcare because that really is true for all healthcare in the United States. But when people are unable to get abortions, it means um, is a means of control that forces people to have children and it can have large negative impacts on people's ability to pursue education and job opportunities. So it's also a way of, um, you know, keeping people from be able, 
being abling. Oh my God. It's also a way of keeping people um, poor and working class because it greatly limits potential opportunities if they're forced to have children before they're ready or wanting or able to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to add also a bit on this issue of class and reproductive health care because there are so many ways that income plays into the reproductive health care that people are able to access. Um, so one thing that I learned recently that kind of surprised me is that basically as compared to the years right after Roe v. Wade happened, people who get abortions today are much more likely to be low income. Um, so when this first happened, it was more limited to like higher income people that were accessing abortions and that's kind of shifted. Um, so one study found that half of people who receive abortions in the US today live below the poverty level and 75% total are low income in some form. Um, so this is especially concerning given the ways that federal funding has been cut for abortion since the 70s, which means people have to pay out of pocket to access this health care, and it's expensive, people often struggle to afford it. Um, and this is also partly because higher income people are more likely to be able to access other forms of health care they might want, like IUDs, other forms of like contraceptive devices. And, you know, birth control is amazing and something that there should be way more research and work on, especially when it comes to devices and medicines that can be used by people other than cis women. But the issue is that much like all other healthcare in the U.S., birth control can be expensive and difficult to access. Um, low income people are five times as likely to experience an unintended pregnancy. So this means that when abortion is limited, it's disproportionately hurting low income people, people of color, who are the ones who are most likely to have to be considering abortion as an option in the first place, because these other options are also more difficult to access. Um, Another piece of this is that poverty is one of the biggest reasons that people get abortions in the first place. More than 70% of people who have abortions every year do so because of a lack of financial resources to support a child or another child if they already have some children. Um, I just want to be really clear here, like abortion is not a bad thing. It should be freely available to anyone who wants it. But in addition, there are a lot of people who maybe don't primarily want an abortion for whom that becomes their only choice because of this absolutely dismal access to affordable birth control and childcare in this country. So I just feel like we need to be extremely suspicious of anyone who's claiming to be concerned about like too many abortions or like people who don't want abortions feeling forced into them if they're not also then pushing for more financial support for parents, free birth control, free childcare, and things that would actually give people other options beyond an abortion. Um, meanwhile, more than half of people who choose not to have kids at all do so for financial reasons or because they're worried about having enough time to care for their kids and work as much as they need to to support them. Um, so just to be very clear, again, it's also fine to have an abortion just because that is what you want to do. There doesn't have to be this big unavoidable reason for it, of course. But the fact remains that that is the reason that most people are having abortions when what they might actually want or need is a birth control implant or a way to support their kids that doesn't involve being at work for so many hours that they barely even get to see their kids. Um, all of these other factors are tied up in who ends up needing to seek out abortion and basically who that becomes the only option for. Yeah, absolutely. 
So before we get into talking more about um, SB8 specifically, I want to just talk about what abortion has looked like in Texas um, in recent history. So Texas has been one of the most hostile states towards abortion access. As of 2017, there were only 35 facilities providing abortion in all of Texas, which was a 25% decrease since 2014. And of course, this has continued to decrease over time. Um, The average driving distance to an abortion clinic in Texas increases from 12 miles to between 243 to 447 when legal abortions are shut down, as we're currently seeing. And that's because of people having to travel across states and, um, you know, some of the states surrounding Texas also don't have very many clinics. Most states don't have very many clinics. Um, So it just becomes like a longer and longer distance, the more bans that are in place. Um, And the majority of Texas counties are 200 miles or more from the nearest out-of-state abortion clinic, with 95% of counties being 100 or more miles away, and 72% of counties being over 200 miles away. As of September 2020, there were extensive restrictions already in place in Texas that included things like patients being forced to receive state-directed counseling, which included information designed to, of course, discourage people from having an abortion, Um, They had 24-hour waiting periods. Private and state-funded insurance companies would only allow um, coverage for the procedure if the person's life was severely in danger, whatever um, they deem that to mean. And insurance policies for public employers would also only cover abortion in life-threatening situations. Minors have to obtain parental consent. And we talked about that on the episode um, with Michaela as well. And they make patients have an ultrasound 24 hours before the abortion and abortions can only be performed 20 or more weeks post fertilization in case of life endangerment. That was of course, as of September, 2020, this is now what's happening now to be clear. Um, and they also have what's called a uh, trap or targeted regulation of abortion provider laws, which we talked about on our access episode, but essentially they create unnecessary requirements for abortion facilities that are in line with, um, what like surgical centers and hospitals are required for. And that basically makes a lot of clinics have to shut down because they can't meet those requirements. And there's no real like safety reason why those are in place. There are less long-term complications for abortion than there are for wisdom teeth removal. And um, as you would guess, dentists do not have those same regulations. So it's just like, just, just a bunch of bullshit. Texas also had something in place called the Texas Health and Safety Code 171.063, Distribution of Abortion-Inducing Drug. And there's a few aspects of this policy. The first is that physicians can only prescribe abortion medication if they are present, which therefore bans telemedicine. They also must document the patient's medical record, gestational age, and intrauterine location of the pregnancy. And another aspect of that is that patients have to have an in-person follow-up within 14 days. So that policy includes that patients under 18 must either have written consent from a parent or get judicial authorization. And as we talked about with Michaela, medication abortions are very safe and there's no scientific reasoning for for these bans. It just freaking makes uh, women more in control of their bodies. So we so it's pushed against. Exactly. I mean, anyone with with the ability to get pregnant, I mean to say. Yes, of course. 
So Governor Greg, is it Abbott? Yeah. We hate Governor it. Governor Greg Abbott, enemy of the pod. <laughs> Literally go fuck yourself. <laughs> we hate him. But he has been using pretty much any excuse he can think of to ban abortion. At the beginning of the pandemic, he issued an executive order stating that all surgeries and procedures that are not, quote, medically necessary should be postponed because of the pandemic. And the attorney general, Ken Paxton, specified that abortions were not considered necessary and must be postponed unless it is necessary to preserve the life of the quote mother is the language that was used. Of course, leading medical experts, including the American college of obstetricians and gynecologists or ACOG, as well as um, seven other professional organizations that specialize in reproductive health spoke out against these bans and made it clear that abortion is part of essential health care. The ban also meant that by the time it was lifted, many of the people who needed abortions were no longer eligible due to being at a later stage of pregnancy. Oh, can I just jump in here real quick? I thought it was interesting, Zoe, that you pointed out that abortions were um, uh, blocked even, uh, or sorry, unless it was necessary to preserve the life of what the the term that they used was mother. And I just wanted to point out that there's like several layers to why that's like problematic language and what that's accomplishing so in addition to being obviously like deeply trans exclusionary which is part of what they're trying to accomplish there it also shifts the the perspective on what's happening inside a person's you know i was about to say belly that's not science um <laughs> uterus. Throw in the stomach <laughs> um and puts that person in a position of parenthood, despite the fact that it's literally like a clump of cells. Um, and I just wanted to say that like all of the language that's being used when these ghouls are talking about pregnancy is intentional and meant to drive home, um, you know, these policies that make it as difficult as possible for people to get abortions. True. Also, yeah, I shouldn't have said baby. It's just a fetus or an embryo. Um, They're not babies. They're not babies. The people aren't parents. Nothing has happened. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Anyway. So (laughs) thank you, Kellen. Um, Yeah. Abortion providers ended up suing the state, which made the ban in Texas the first to reach the Supreme Court. And as of April 22nd, 2020, which was the beginning of the pandemic and feels like a fucking decade ago. I was 17 years old. (laughs) That's how long ago it was. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So the Fifth Circuit uh, decided to allow medical abortions, but they kept surgical abortions limited to life threatening situations. And even though the Supreme Court overruled the full ban on medical abortions, the other extensive regulations remain in place. So this only walked back the like COVID specific ban. And according to a study from the University of Texas, Austin, there was a 27% increase in the rate of requests for medication abortion via mail in the U.S. between March 20th and April 11th, as compared to the beginning of that year. So pre-COVID. The author of the study, Dr. Abigail Aiken, said that the largest increase in requests was from residents in Texas, which showed a 94% increase. So I think that brings us up to what most recently happened with SB8. Yes. 
Okay. So Senate Bill 8, or SB 8, which bans abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, long before most people even know that they're pregnant, passed into law at the end of August of this year. Yeah, and I just wanted to take a second to explain for people who don't know how we count how many weeks pregnant a person is, because it's not how you would expect. Um, um, I was talking to the person I'm dating, Bragg, about this recently, um, and everyone's laughing, but they're muted audience at home. Just know that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'll laugh for you, Colin. <laughs> so much. Um, I love that you have to say that, though. <laughs> Yes. Um, we're happy for you. Thank you so much. Um, we were, uh, we were talking about like the, the SB eight situation and I was like, yeah, it's about like, you, you can't get an abortion. Basically it essentially outlaws abortion. We'll talk about how constitutionally it does that, but outlaws it after six weeks of pregnancy, but six weeks of pregnancy doesn't even mean six weeks of pregnancy and here's how it is and it's so fucked up and that's when I realized like a lot of people don't actually know how this is counted so I wanted to like lay it out um so it doesn't start counting at the time of conception that's not when we start counting six weeks let's just say for argument's sake we're gonna have like a hypothetical situation here get your calendars out and follow along let's say for argument's sake I fuck unprotected and a sperm successfully launches itself at a little egg. This is how it works. Please do not question me on January 1st. True. You might expect that six weeks pregnant would be six weeks after that in mid-February, like say February 12th. If I got pregnant when I was ovulating, which is generally when you get pregnant, I would expect to get my period in mid-January, which is like January 15th. Let's say um, the period doesn't come by like January 22nd. It's a week late. And I'm like, okay, shit, maybe I'm pregnant. I get a test. I'm knocked up under these circumstances. If this is how we counted pregnancy, I would have three weeks until the February 12th, six week pregnant cutoff to successfully find a provider, schedule an appointment, arrange days off, arrange transportation, arrange a hotel that's far from home, which it often is as Zoe talked about in Texas, which is a huge state. It requires people traveling hundreds of miles to get an abortion and arrange all of the money to pay for for that in three weeks, which is not easy. Um, except that's not even how things work. It's actually worse than that because you don't count from the moment of conception. You count from the first day of your last period, the first day of your last period. So by the time- Notably when you become pregnant is the last right. day of your period. So like by the time the sperm reaches the egg, you're already two to three weeks pregnant because people usually ovulate between the 11th and the 21st day of their cycle. So obviously this makes no fucking sense that like you have sex and suddenly you're two to three weeks pregnant, but that's how we count it. So to like go back to this hypothetical, January 1st, I officially get knocked up. The fertilized egg at this point is too small to be detected. There's no test I can take like later that day to see if I'm going to have a kid. I just go about my business. My period, as we've established, is supposed to show up January 15th. It doesn't. That's normal for a lot of people. Many people don't have exactly four week cycles. By the time it's January 22nd, I'm worried. It's been a week since I thought I was going to get my period. It hasn't shown up. I had unprotected sex with someone who has a penis. So I take a pregnancy test. I find out I'm pregnant. Um, <laughs> surprise. Uh, depending on exactly when my last period began, I might already at the time of taking that test on January 22nd be six weeks pregnant, even though I only had sex three weeks ago. And so that's why a six-week abortion ban is effectively seen as a total ban on abortion. Yeah, that's extremely fucked up. 
I did not know that. <laughs> I had no idea. And that's same. Super fucked. And I'm now going to have a nightmare. Does anyone else have pregnancy nightmares? Oh, yeah. Big time. Okay. I've gotten them yeah. since I was a teenager. <laughs> Literally, this is how I decided that I was pro-abortion. You know, when you're a teen, not maybe not everyone, but I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, whatever. I didn't know a lot about it. Obviously, yeah. you hear a lot about yeah, things. I was trying to figure it out. And I had a dream that I got pregnant. And in my dream, I was like, fuck, get me an abortion right now. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm, I'm for it. I love that. <laughs> Your stance on abortion came to you in a dream. That's, that's so funny. And then I was like, oh, no, I get it now. Like, I felt what it was like to be pregnant in my dream. Wow. So anyway. I love that. <laughs> kind of a prophecy. <laughs> prophecy. <laughs> uh, so SB effectively bans all abortions, as Colin was saying, in the state of Texas. And it includes no exceptions for rape and incest. And to be clear... Those exceptions are their own morality bullshit as it relates to abortion. However, the fact that there aren't any exceptions is noteworthy because usually when these things are passed, they, like, can get away with it because of these, like, mm-hmm. more extreme scenarios. Yeah. yeah. And, like, just to just to add to what Laura is saying, <laughs> to continue building on this shit sandwich, like, <laughs> these exceptions, even when they do exist, are basically, like, useless. Like... If you think about it, like, think about how hard it is to prove you were raped. Like, nobody ever gets convicted for rape, basically. Um, And this and, you know, unless it's like a black man who is accused of raping a white woman. Um, So anyway, true. We, we have a very bad track record on rape convictions is what I'm trying to say. also, the criminal justice system moves so fucking slowly. Um, and I just want to say, like, as I'm talking about convictions and stuff, it should go without saying that, like, this is an abolitionist podcast and, like, we're not supportive of the criminal justice system. But I bring this up because it's not like... It you is can... the system we currently live in. and it's Right. Not like, it's working. not like... Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's not like you can go to a doctor, just show up and be like, I was raped. And they'll be like, oh, well, in that case, like, you can have an abortion. Like, you have to actually prove it, which is basically impossible under the framework we use, especially in the time frame where you can actually get an abortion. Um, So these exemptions are generally sort of like Laura was hinting at, like more for show than anything else. But also, like they said, it's important to note that the Texas legislature in this case didn't even pay lip service to the idea that a person should be able to get an abortion under the circumstances of incest or rape. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, here we go. The abortion ban was not instated in dramatic fashion by the far-right Supreme Court. There was no order to once and for all overturn Roe v. Wade. Although, as we're going to get to, such a ruling does loom in a case that the court has agreed to hear, um, which is centered around the final abortion facility in the state of Mississippi. But rather, SB 8 is now law because of pointed inaction by conservative justices. The Supreme Court knew the law was going into effect, was asked to intervene by reproductive rights supporters, and chose not to. Now, just to zoom out to understand the fuckery of our so-called justice system, the quote-unquote circuit courts, you might like hear like, oh, in this court, in the Ninth Circuit Court, or whatever the fuck... Those are federal courts. So even though they're not the Supreme Court, they are run on the federal level. And 
those justices are often selected by the president, and it makes for real lopsided ramifications like we're seeing now. So basically, a shit ton of our circuit-level judges are intense conservative shrills. And I also felt like y'all would describe the way the the White House describes why, like this is on like whitehouse.gov, why presidents select these positions. And it is, quote, This is the Biden White House? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to clarify. Yes. Well, I mean, it, it's, it, I think it changes, like the whitehouse.gov changes Right, right. No, I was just clarifying. Like, this is yes. what it currently says under Biden. Yes, exactly. Um, quote, by design, this insulates them from tempor- from the temporary passions of the public and allows them to apply the law with only justice in mind and not electoral or political concerns. So I just, I just wonder if they know that by design... The justice system is political and electoral when an elected official is the one pulling the strings. And obviously, literally everything is affected by our laws and also just like everything is political. So like the idea that it's not political is truly mind blowing. Just like peak liberal bullshit. Um, (laughs) It's it's like it's worth noting that both Trump and Bush were extremely effective at filling vacancies on lower courts, like in a way that Obama, for example, just was not. Um, And conservatives in general have like recognized the principle that Laura is outlining here, that courts are inherently political and thus have appointed ideologues like Reagan was hugely successful at this and really set the tone for the modern era. While Democrats have tended to be like, oh, we must maintain the sanctity and apolitical nature of our court system and have thus appointed moderates. So in practice, that means that our courts are inherently conservative institutions with conservatives appointed by conservatives and moderates appointed by liberals. Like, exactly. You love to see it. I like how Democrats in Kellen's mind are vaguely British. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a mid-Atlantic accent. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. No, it's it's extremely real. Ugh. Um, Back to SB8. So on the Friday before the ruling, um, which happened on a Wednesday, I believe, um, the Fifth U.S. Circuit of Appeals canceled a hearing on the law's constitutionality, which not to get into why it's fucked up that we even rely on this antiquated document, but if the courts don't even let that play out, feels dark as fuck. This forced abortion providers to ask the Supreme Court, with its expressly anti-abortion majority, for an injunction in in an emergency filing. Instead, the court let the ban become law, in essence telling us everything we need to know about a future for reproductive rights if we only rely on the courts to defend them. Around 90% of abortion care in Texas takes place at least six weeks into pregnancy for all the reasons that we've talked about before. All those abortions would now be in violation of the law, and anyone involved in helping people access these reproductive rights could face punishment. So we're going to circle back to that. But it is really fucked and notable that Texas has enacted an abortion ban with Roe still on the books, which is just a devastating reminder that while upholding Roe is crucial, conservatives and the religious right have long known that the decimation of reproductive rights never depended on overturning one Supreme Court decision. 
Instead of making the ban enforceable by a state actor, say the head of the state health department or the attorney general, SB 8 allows literally anyone to bring a private civil suit against an abortion provider if they believe they may have violated the ban or a person they believe has aided or abetted a patient in seeking an abortion after six weeks. Again, SBA is designed to evade federal court challenges by letting anyone, anywhere, act as deputies to file suits against so-called abettors of SBA's violations, even based on mere speculation. Unlike most civil litigation, the plaintiff need not even prove that they have been harmed in any way. And it is not only abortion providers at risks, but also literally any person who could be deemed to abet the act, including like an Uber driver who takes a person to an abortion appointment, or a therapist or pastor who has counseled a person on ending a pregnancy. Private individuals, rather than state authorities, will bring these cases, which truly creates a free-for-all for for anti-abortion crusaders. The law makes bounty hunters of anti-abortion vigilantes, promising $10,000 for every abortion performed in violation of the law to those who bring successful suits. Yeah, it's like so deeply fucked. Um, And (laughs) I can't. I just wanted to like go a little bit more into the details of like constitutionally how this works. So like, and and Laura was alluding to this, but like the, the law doesn't criminalize abortion. Actually, it just makes it impossible for abortion providers to function on a financial level. Um, and, and so this is the state legislature not having to legislate a quote unquote ban on abortions, which would fly in the face of Roe v. Wade, which like as Laura said, is still the governing precedent, although obviously we know it's being dismantled continuously and is like currently under serious threat um, from um, a case from Mississippi. But yeah, according to Roe and the interpretation of Roe, a state can't pass a law that says like, give an abortion and you'll be arrested or get an abortion and the government will fine you. But based on what the Supreme Court has said under like with this law, a state can make a law that says get, give, or help someone get slash give an abortion and some random ass dude on the street can sue you. Um, And so the state is not actively punishing anybody. It's the, it's civil courts. It's basically making space in civil courts for people to be fined for any kind of participation in an abortion. Um, and to make matters worse, as Laura said, the state can actually incentivize people. The state can, like constitutionally, the Supreme Court has said, incentivize people to bring these suits by offering $10,000 for a successful suit while still apparently keeping sufficient distance from the process for it to be considered not a violation of the Constitution as interpreted in the Roe case. Yeah. It's fucked up. (laughs) It's so fucked. Uh. As Zoe noted earlier in the episode, poor people of color will suffer the most under a medical regime in which reproductive health services are already extremely limited. Maternal morbidity rates among Black women are disproportionately high to an extreme degree. Texas already has one of the highest maternal mortality rates in the nation, along with, more generally, a medical system rife with racist disparities, although obviously that's not only a Texas issue. 
And anti-abortion laws sit in tandem with so much of the right-wing agenda, and it's all-out assault on Black, Brown, Indigenous, queer, and trans people. Just to bring it all back to intersectionality. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Well, so basically, we did want to talk a bit. That's that's SB eight. I'm I know that like there's so much to still unpack there, but. That's that's pretty much what you need to know. Uh, I have been watching Westworld, and I don't know if any of you have ever seen it, but basically the idea is that there's, like, a simulation world where humans can, like, act out their most depraved shit, and it feels like Texas is that sometimes. <laughs> um, I mean, not that, again, it doesn't happen elsewhere. There's just, like, the boldness of it, um, which, which honestly – in some ways is makes it easier to identify at least because a lot of then libs are like it doesn't happen here when it happens everywhere anyway we'll get to that too <laughs> i was gonna say and we will get to them libs will not be spared libs on this episode never or any spared. episode <laughs> yeah, exactly so okay we've been talking about this case in mississippi um so we wanted to let you know a little bit more about it this case um, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, or JWHO, which was filed in the Supreme Court last summer, has the potential to topple abortion rights across the country. Um, Nancy Northrup, who's the president and CEO for the Center of Reproductive Rights, which uh, is re- representing Jackson Women's Health Organization in the law school lawsuit said, the stakes here are extraordinarily high. The court cannot uphold this law in Mississippi without overturning Roe's core holding. Um, Jackson Women's Health Organization is the last abortion clinic left in the state of Mississippi. The clinic serves pregnant people from all over Mississippi, as well as those who came from across state lines. The clinic is, as you can imagine, always busy. And there are nearly 600,000 women of childbearing age in Mississippi and about half of the residents who seek abortion care are forced to travel out of state for access. So not great, um, but we knew it wasn't great already. (laughs) You know, like uh, in some ways, obviously we want Roe to to not be overturned, but uh, we just this is a fight that is already playing out. And on that note, we're going to continue to debunk some of the really annoying things people have been saying since this went into place. Yes, we are. Um, Yes, we're now entering a segment called Debunking Annoying Things People Have Been Saying. And this is either to help you argue with people, you listeners at home, or this is just really a venting session for us. (laughs) Um, Take your pick. So the first thing I want to talk about is the people that have been comparing it to like the Taliban, Soviets, Cuba, et cetera, um, which is a great way to signal that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, Just for like a little bit of context, Soviet Russia was the first country of the modern era to legalize all abortion. And Cuba currently has the highest rate of abortion in the world because it's legal and available on demand to everyone. But I digress. There's really no need to like compare it to anywhere else because it's, just a very American thing that is happening. 
right? Like you don't need to compare it to the Taliban. This is not like a radical Islam thing. This is being pushed by evangelical Christians and Catholics, and they live right here in America. Like your Islamophobia is showing, and all it does is let the people who are actually responsible for this like off the hook. Yeah, this has been one of the more batshit things that I've seen is just, yeah, taking a thing that is so obviously a problem in the United States and has historically been a problem in the United States and be like, wow, this is this is like these other places who actually are way more progressed than we are. Yeah. Yeah, the people that are like, where are we? The people, the place in like Handmaid's Tale, I don't remember the name. Oh, just like, oh yeah, that's God. the always. Gilead. Sorry. Yeah, I know that. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's always the comparison. <laughs> anyway, next on the list is <laughs> um, the idea that like Texas is a backward state or like somehow an exceptional state to all of the others. Yeah, like, this is so annoying. And I say this especially as somebody who, like, grew up in the South. Like, yeah, there are shitty people here, but there are a lot of people who aren't shitty. And, like, those people are violently oppressed. And also, even shitty people should have health care. Yeah, like, even if that were true, which it's not, but, like, people in Texas would still deserve the right to have safe and accessible abortions, even if they were literally all horrible people, which they're not. Yeah. And like there are leftists that are organizing their asses off against this and like other various forms of oppression in these places. And they don't deserve to be written off as backwards. Like also when you think about the racial and ethnic makeup of the South and of Texas in particular, just not a great look to point at that place and be like "Mm, backwards, you know? Yeah. And I think about that for a second. I it's there's no time like the present to just drag New York State, which I feel like is always fucking heralded as like some type of like progressive state to live in. Our governor literally just stepped down because of like sexual misconduct charges that he it was on the verge of impeachment for. Um, and the government in Albany is one of the most corrupt governments in the country and there's so much fucked up backwards shit that ends up going on in our state congress but because there's this like narrative of New York being this other other thing um because of course there are a lot of open-minded people in New York state just like there are anywhere else but it's also literally where the headquarters of like Wall Street and all the fucked up things that we're all working against um, that have its roots in all this shit, too. So I just think it's it's wild to me that people have have like Southern hatred as Northerners. I think it literally is their own like white supremacy within themselves. Yep. Yeah. Turns out Democrats won't save us from patriarchy either. Not sure who would have thought it, but <laughs> it's but it's true. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Next on our list um, is people that are suggesting ways to like minimize the need for abortion, which really just gives it to the idea that abortion should only be available in extreme circumstances or like a last resort and should be like what's the saying people say of like, should be safe, but rare or whatever the fuck, which is just like, 
I feel like one of these things where you're arguing, but you're starting on like losing ground, like it literally doesn't matter. People should have access to safe abortions regardless of their circumstances. We should also have like better sex education and access to contraceptives like Julia was talking about in the beginning, but it doesn't need to be like an either or like we want all of these things. Absolutely. Yeah, like abortion is healthcare, period, end of story. There's no reason to stigmatize it. You're not helping by making this argument. And then um, the next, the next Sorry, one. Yeah, this is too much. It's too fucking much. As you can tell, I've just been like very annoyed at everyone. Um, and I need to air my grievances. Um, so next, going back to the libs, is like the people that while Trump was in office, anything that happened that was bad, they were like, this is Trump's fault. Orange man, Cheeto man. <laughs> oh my God. Cheeto <laughs> Um, but now suddenly that like Biden's the president and like Democrats have like more positions, whatever the fuck are like, oh, but like, there's no way Biden or the Democrats could do anything. Like, here's how it's like still Trump's fault or like some shit. Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like it just goes back to the thing of being like, oh, like it's just Texas. It's just like Southern conservative politicians instead of actually acknowledging that like Democrats also suck on this issue. It's all those Soviets living in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I wish. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Yeah, that. and like the last thing that I wanted to bring up here is just like people who use this as an excuse to like get mad about like when other people are talking about abortion really anytime abortions in the news turfs come out of the woodwork and are like why are you saying pregnant people you should say pregnant women like and i want those people if you're listening which i'm sure you're not my message to you is (laughs) shut the fuck up that's all we're putting you on mute bitch this is not the time this is not the place there is no time nor is there a place, but this is certainly not it. And that concludes that segment. <laughs> I I feel like I am still so annoyed. I, I just, all of it is so fucked. Like, get the brain worms out of your heads. Yeah, yes. it's, it's so bad. But we like to end on a positive note. So, you know, there are ways to get involved with organizing around this issue that we wanted to talk about, you know? Yes, there are. So the first thing that we want to mention is like, if you are looking to donate money, which a lot of people who have the financial means to do that, I feel like that's kind of like a first line of like, what can we do? Um, So always donate to like local abortion funds rather than the kind of like major nonprofits or these other like national organizations. Um, we, of course, love Buckle Bunny's Fund in Texas, um, as we've love had them you, on Michaela. before, and they're friends of the pod. But um, if you're looking to have one in Texas, but also wherever you are, there's local abortion funds that certainly could also use your help. Yeah, I also wanted to mention both if you're looking for places to get involved with organizing or if you're looking for help accessing an abortion, particularly if you're in a state like Texas where you might have to travel out of state to do that. um, The National Network of Abortion Funds is a really good place to start looking for that. It's abortionfunds.org, which is very easy. Um, And basically, it's just a resource that has like a map of all of the major abortion funds across the country. Um, And a lot of these are resources that can help connect people with like 
paying for travel, finding you a place to stay if you do need to travel to access an abortion. Um, and if you're someone who's looking to help out, this is also a good way to like start looking for places where you could like volunteer your apartment as a place that someone could stay when they're coming into your state to get an abortion or, um, you know, other ways that you can help beyond uh, financial donations as well. Yeah, definitely. They're a, a really good resource. And another thing which I've plugged before is becoming an abortion doula. Yeah, I've reposted the training that I did on our Instagram story whenever it's being offered. Um, and the person that runs it is really great. And it's just a really good way to be able to help people who need abortion. It's kind of pretty like all encompassing um, of like providing information, providing support, like whatever people need. Um, so yeah, the one that I did is based in Chicago, but it's virtual. And there's like other places that offer them too. There's especially because of COVID a lot more virtual ones. If you look that up. Another thing that you can do is become a clinic escort because in a lot of the places that, well, really all over the country, it happens in New York too. So it's not just like the one clinic in Mississippi that's still open. Um, All over the country, um, people protest abortions and try to make it difficult physically and emotionally for people to go to clinics. And you can become trained and become a clinic escort, which just like you mean, you're there to like walk people to get their abortion and back out from getting the abortion to their cars or, you know, however they got to the places. But it's like a very important um, sort of thing you can do to support people who are getting that kind of health care. And the last thing you could do would be just burn down the Supreme Court. Um, for legal reasons, this is a joke. Burn it all <laughs> the fuck <laughs> down. <laughs> You know, even burn down RGB. They're all canceled. Every single one of them. Oh, she's already dead. I don't know if you've heard. And arguably burning. So, <laughs> Yikes. 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 Kellen believes in hell. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my God. <sighs> just kidding. We all believe in hell here on season of the day. I was just, Not heaven, though. I was just kind of thinking of, like, you know, we could do like a goth satanic perversion of pro-life um, because I think the like idea behind that is just pro-death is like the <laughs> opposite. And we should just have like pro-abortion things that are like goth that just say pro-death, <laughs> but they all go to abortion friends. Obviously, it's not death. That's the insider info but just to give insider <laughs> info like obviously to those of us that understand what the fuck abortion is it's not death yeah but to like lean into you know what these christians think yeah i like the idea of selling some goth pro-abortion merch so if anyone wants to draw one for us we'll donate the funds brick yeah hit us up that's right that's great and you know how you can hit us up is by emailing us at seasonofthebe at gmail.com. This is so powerful. Um, that is seasonofthebe at gmail.com. If you couldn't understand over my laughing, I've had a very long day and this is an intense topic, but if we don't laugh, we cry. Am I right? Yes. You can- so true. <laughs> you can follow us on social media, um, pretty much all the places at Season of the Bee. You can, um, after you've donated to your local abortion funds, you can give us your money on Patreon at patreon.com slash season of the bitch. And 
you can rate, you subscribe on iTunes. You can do the little follow thing on Spotify, whatever they call it there. Uh, you can just tell us how much you like us. I don't know. We're sad. This is a hard topic. Just say nice things We're, to me. We've been sad. So, you know, <laughs> be nice. <laughs> so true. Just continuing that every time I do the outro, it's chaos. So if you're still listening, thank you so much. We love you. Love you. Love you. you. Bye. 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 Season of the bitch.